Welcome to an original Mind Over Matter initiative, the Make Our Voices Heard podcast, where we use a variety of platforms to speak up about mental health and all its glory, the stigmas, the stereotypes, its importance, the issues, and the plausible solutions. Everything under the sun to make your life better. Because after all, you know what they say, Mind Over Matter is the only way. Today, our distinguished guest is Ms. Aparna Piramal Raje. Aparna Piramal Raje is a thought leader on business, design, and workplaces, and author of Chemical Kitchery, How I Hacked My Mental Health, and also a mother to two super talented boys. Ma'am, can you tell us a bit about your journey from mental health challenges to mental well-being? Hi, Agastya. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, well, it's been a 20-year journey, actually, because my problems first started when I was in my mid-20s, and I've been living with this for about 22 years. Um, I would say that there was, you know, initially a lot of lack of understanding about what actually is going on, what my condition is. So I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, um, but, you know, we didn't really have any understanding of that condition. Then over a period of time, I got onto medication and I started seeing a psychiatrist. I was seeing a therapist before that in any case. Um, and there have been a lot of ups and downs and mood swings, um, which is what characterizes this condition. And eventually now I think I've reached a stage where I have stabilized and there's no such thing as recovery or cure in this kind of condition, but you just have to sort of learn to live with it. Um, and I think that's what I've begun to do over the last few years. Truly wonderful. I think that was very, very inspiring. And that leads me to our next question. So while most adolescents and teens experience periods of moodiness, crankiness, or angst, what are some indicators that could demonstrate the presence of a more serious issue? Yeah, that's a great question because a lot of um, issues such as these actually crop up with young adults um, when people are in their late teens or their early 20s. So I would say that, you know, any behavior that goes on for a longer period than normal that is different from normal, difference in sleep, in energy, in mood, in appetite, in behavior, facial expressions, if they're really going on for like a longer time, not just a matter of a few days. Um, and, you know, those are those are indications that maybe there's something going on that would need um, a professional to look at. Yes, I completely believe that is truly going to help our listeners to do a bit of self-diagnosis and also help them figure out if they need uh, a diagnosis by a professional. And moreover, we move on to the next question by saying, it can't happen to me. Living in denial, social stigma, all of these are reactions of the one suffering from mental health. The fact is mental health illnesses can affect anyone, regardless of age, gender or race. What will be your advice to the people living in denial? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, nobody wants to accept uh, a mental health condition because people don't want to go and see a psychiatrist. There's a stigma uh, attached to it, or they may not even want to see a therapist. We don't like, you know, the label. Um, I didn't like the label of being bipolar for a long time. It was difficult to accept that. But I think the biggest thing I would like to say is that, you know, your mental health condition is not your identity. 
um, there's a big difference between your personality and the condition that you live with. Um, so as I keep saying, you know, there's so many aspects to my personality. Um, I'm a hopeless cook, for example. So, you know, I think uh, there are a lot of other aspects to me other than the fact that I'm bipolar um, and it should not define me. So when you're less worried about that and when you can see that there's a difference between who you are as a person and what you're actually dealing with, then it becomes a little easier to accept um, that you might be, you know, that you might have to live with this and learn to learn to live and thrive with it, really. Yeah, I completely agree because people who go to seek out professional help are sometimes called madmen and people often speak behind their back. So, yeah, I completely understand that people might not want to seek out help, but please, to all the listeners out there, if you find the help for it, no one will be critiquing you. You're your own self. Go seek out your help because that will be what will help you, not your neighbors or your friends who might criticize you. Uh, this leads me on to my next question. Do you think things would have been different if you had been diagnosed earlier? Yeah, it is hard to really speculate because the good part was that I did start off with a therapist very early on and she gave me a lot of understanding into my own psychology, into my emotions, into my triggers. So she was very helpful in, um, you know, doing all of that. She introduced me to kind of yoga um, in, a, in a more um, sort of um, spiritual way, perhaps. And all of that was good. But so I don't know. Uh, it's hard for me to know how it would have changed, but I would say it's better for everyone to get a diagnosis because the minute you have a diagnosis, you feel that this is, you, you know how to treat it. You have a treatment plan. You are, you know, hopefully in the care of a doctor whom you trust. Um, and again, we go back to this, this, this situation of saying, you know, you're able to understand that this is not your personality or who you are who's being affected, but it's just a condition that you learn to live with, just like you need to learn to live with any other condition like diabetes or anything else that you might need to, you know, live with. So I, I think that um, as soon as the, the earlier you can get diagnosed, the better. Yeah, I completely agree. A diagnosis also helps sometimes pro provide relief to the person. And yeah, a diagnosis is incredibly important. And yeah, I read the statement in your book, which goes, there's a feeling of there being a tornado in your head, or like an orchestra or symphony of many different soundtracks blowing up around you. A lot of such different emotions must have been amongst the most difficult things for you to deal with. So how do you manage to overcome such feelings and emerge a winner? Yeah, I think it's a long answer to that but I think what the book really talks about is these seven therapies that I have sort of developed and evolved over time uh, which is a combination of the medical side the lifestyle the family support the work therapy the friends in my life and the allies in my life spiritual therapy the conversations I've had with myself so it's a it's a sort of like toolkit really that I have evolved to help myself um, and I think in that immediate moment when all of that is going on is just you need medication, really, you know, you need a safe place to be, you need a quiet place to recover, you need family support. These were all of the things that I really relied on friend support in, in, in those critical moments. But I would say on a long term path of recovery that these therapies that I talk about in the book, um, which I think anybody they're applicable actually to anybody who wants to improve their mental wellness, not necessarily if you have like a mental health condition. So completely agree with you over there. Uh, 
so connecting to the previous question in the book you have talked about chemical imbalance and symptoms can you please tell us a bit more about it yeah so you know a condition like bipolar um, is sort of um, is is basically triggered by psychological issues that lead to let's say lack of sleep which in my case have triggered uh, chemical imbalances in the brain where certain the brain really doesn't function as it normally should um, and there are too many thoughts and ideas happening um, this is it results in lack of sleep it affects my behavior it affects my mood it, it really affects my energy levels I have too much energy despite the fact that I'm not sleeping properly so when your brain is really not functioning properly all of these um, other symptoms manifest themselves so that's really what's going on okay I think that's very very important in helping identify yourself and yeah, I think I'll keep that in mind if I also have any similar issues and maybe this talk might help me out as well. Yeah, I just, I, I really want your listeners to understand that, you know, bipolar disorder is something that happens to like just about 1% or less of the population. So I think a lot of us might go through phases in their life when, you know, you don't sleep too much or you have too much excitement or stress happening in your life. But it's really when you react to it in a more extreme way, then that is an example of, you know, being being bipolar, just having mood swings and um, just having these ups and downs that we all go through is, is really not um, an indication of being bipolar. Yeah, mood swings completely normal for teenagers. So did you ever live in denial or refuse to get medicated at any point of time? Or what sort of research did you do about your condition before seeking professional help? Yeah, so actually, uh, between the time I actually had my first incident uh, of like this mood swing or mania, as it's called, and the time that I actually started medication was there was actually a long time, it was 13 years between that. So um, what happened was that we were not very keen on medication because we were worried about the long term side effects, um, especially if you want to have a family. Uh, for women, you know, there, there are some side effects that you have to be careful about. And also my therapist at the time wasn't fully convinced that um, I was bipolar. So I think there was a lot of kind of back and forth about whether I was a borderline case or was I really bipolar, what kind of medication and treatment plan there should be. But at least I was seeing a therapist, which was really helpful for me. Um, and then eventually I reached a stage where, you know, my sort of mood swings really deteriorated and I had to take medication to kind of tranquilize and stabilize. So it was then there was no way that I could avoid a diagnosis and it reached a kind of crisis point almost. So, um, uh, yeah, I think it's very easy to live in denial. I get a lot of messages from people saying that people are not willing to go to psychiatrists and seek medication. So I think that's the first step, you know, that for me is treatment and recovery. That's the first step. And adding on to the previous question, I have to ask, did you ever reaching a breaking point where you felt that this is all useless and there's no reason why I have to continue? With, with the medication or with the medication. Well, there were times when actually um, I had, as I write in the book, I had like an allergic reaction to one of the meds and um, it really didn't suit me and I just couldn't sleep and I, it led to a lot of like pacing around and I was very restless. And at that point, I was just like, I don't know what is going on here because I just could not understand why my body was behaving in this way that I was unable to control. 
So, um, you know, but I, at, at the same time, I just recognized that I was having too many mood swings. So I always persevered with the meds, knowing that something or the other would work, you know. Um, and I think you have to kind of do that, really. Um, so you you can't, it's, it's, it's better not to just give up. And you have to sort of trust the medication, trust the process and figure out something that works for you. Okay, so in this answer, you mentioned perseverance. How has perseverance helped you overcome uh, the struggles that you had during your illnesses? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. I think that, you know, because your sense of self can really get affected by something like this and you feel that, um, you know, anyway, you might feel perhaps that you're like, I felt a lot that I wasn't good enough. Um, and that was what was one of the triggers, um, ironically, of, of my condition. But then you feel even more that you're not good enough because you're dealing with this condition and you're not able to do the things perhaps that some of your peers are doing. You're not facing the same kind of success in the career or in other aspects of your life, um, you know, you might put on weight and, you know, that makes, doesn't make you feel good about yourself either. So there are a lot of aspects of feeling not good enough that, that happened during this process. And I think one just needs to have a really good conversation with oneself about motivating oneself to, to come out of it. Yes. Uh, so once you got diagnosed with bipolar conditions, who was your support system? Yeah, so I've been really blessed with that because I've had a lot of family support from my immediate family, my extended family, then also from my um, uh, friends and um, obviously my mental health uh, professionals and doctors, but really a wide range of people, you know, everything from my write, write, writer's club and book club who encouraged me to write this book, mentors. So I think, you know, it's really important to have relationships in life. And you never know when they'll come in handy and when they'll be able to help you because in a you know when you never know what you might have to deal with in life um and and these relationships all come in handy so really they're very helpful yes relationships really do come in handy and that leads me to the next question which is a good therapist is required for overcoming such issues and spouts so what are certain traits that you would look into a good therapist? And if a listener wanted to find a therapist, then what are certain traits that they must look into? Well, I think there are a bunch of things. Um, I think that uh, firstly, somebody that you connect with, that you feel you can confide with, somebody who's going to maintain your confidentiality and you can trust, uh, somebody who's going to be non-judgmental, empathetic. Um, you know, a therapist doesn't really tell you what to do. That's not what their job is, but their job is to ask you really good questions so you can think what you should do. You know, so that's really the question is, are they asking you good questions? Are they making you think about things? So that that is really your um, that that I feel is the role of a therapist. Obviously, affordability, availability for meetings, all of those things are really important. Completely agree. This adding on to the question for our listeners, uh, please let us know, does the mental health issue happen overnight? Like one might see it for a week or two. Or is it a built up of years of uh, pain or denial? Well, uh, I mean, that triggers, you know, so, the way I look at it in my case, that if I don't sleep for like five days in a row, 
then there is um, going to be some sort of trigger for a chemical imbalance. But if what is it that's keeping me up for five days in a row is a psychological issue, really. And that psychological issue could be building up for a long period of time. Okay, so I think the important thing is that um, the psych, you know, to to make sure that some of those issues, there could be relationship issues, career issues, money issues. These are sort of the things that will all make us feel psychologically um, a little bit, um, you know, vulnerable. And and these can lead to chemical imbalances. And those so those imbalances can happen in a moment, but it could be because of something that's been going on for a long time. Yes, completely agree. Um, so what are some of the red flags which help you know whether someone, be it a friend or a family member, is doing mentally okay or not? Um, I think that, you know, again, as I talked about all these things that I talked about earlier, like in terms of food, behavior, sleep, exercise, nutrition, um, uh, energy levels, facial expressions, are they talking too much? Are they, is their behavior essentially very, very different from normal? And is that difference going on for a long period of time? That's uh, adding on to that question, I must ask, how do you know if someone's just going through a low period or do they actually have something concerning? I would say that even if somebody is going through something, you know, where they're low for a few days, you can still always ask them what's going on with them, you know, and if that thing is being repeated over a period of time, then yes, maybe it's worth talking to a professional. But I think that, you know, as a friend, you should always kind of know that if something is going on in their lives. So um, that's the way I would look at it. Yes, good friendships are definitely the building blocks of a good life. So. Adding on to life, what lifestyle components are important to survive mental health challenges? Uh, just can I pause for a second? Sure. Yeah, I'm sorry. There was too much uh, noise from the kitchen. Completely understandable. Yeah. We're all just at our houses, yeah. home life. So oh, I'll yeah. repeat my question. What are some lifestyle components that are important to survive mental health challenges? Yeah, so I think exercise, nutrition, sleep, and also play is really important, right? I think, I mean, these are all things that are important for everyday life for everyone. I mean, who can function on less sleep? We all need exercise. We all need nutrition. But these are really, these are the armor that we have to make ourselves um, feel good every day. And they really, really matter a lot. And I think play is also really important because it's not just about discipline. It's also putting that element of joy and spontaneity into our lives. So that's uh, really whether you're playing a sport, you're playing a board game, whether you're playing music, whatever it is, that sense of fun and humor and play that you bring into your life is also really important. So ma'am, how do you integrate playing into your lifestyle? 
yeah so um so i play table tennis with my kids we play board games um i tried learning the piano on a couple of occasions and failed miserably at it but i never give up hope maybe there's still hope for me on that front and i just think having an outlook which is kind of humorous and light and funny and spontaneous so these are these are just ways of making sure that there's a sense of playfulness in in life you know because these conditions are something which are pretty heavy right you, you take yourself quite seriously you've got a lot of emotion there's a lot of intensity so it's important to be kind of um, lighthearted and and playful also yes a balance is surely very very important and i quote something beautiful i read a while ago be careful how you're talking to yourself because you're always listening by lisa hayes the movie talk negatively about ourselves and the things we do not like the more our minds start agreeing and believing it during your battle with mental health did you unknowingly feed your mind with negative thoughts yeah i think it's a really important quote because the thing is i think we're um, so often i would say that um i'm not feeling good enough and i think we you know we often do this at any stage of our lives we compare ourselves to other people and we say that we're not good enough because we're not you know successful enough or not thin enough or not pretty enough or whatever it is and i think that it, these are the negative thoughts that we feed into ourselves to just make ourselves even more unhappy and i think it's um, that's why i've got a whole chapter on conversations with self um because it's really important to actually have that really positive conversation with yourself to understand and you know how you can motivate yourself to to uh, um, and and get to know yourself better so that you can avoid these situations yes motivation is surely very important so ma'am what are three tips that you would give for a person to self motivate without the need of outside intervention so i think one thing that um that has really worked for me is journaling um so i know people really talk about this but i think that really reflecting journaling is is something that is really important um and i think that uh, that will um allow people to you know to 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 grow in 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 their dialogue with themselves and really understand the triggers in their mind i for me that's the most important thing that i've done um i think to just find a space in your life to reflect you know create spaces for that reflection and time for that reflection so spaces and sites for that reflection is really important um i know you said about um the outside intervention but i'll just bend the rules slightly and i'll say that you know my daily download friends um have been a really big part of my journey so they're the people who i talk to pretty much every day we check in with each other we're in sync with each other you know that's that's the really most important part so they are really that's another way to have that reflection and to share your emotions with people have them respond in a in a very real time way so i think that's really helpful because you obviously can't go to a therapist every day but having a strong network of friends like that is really important talking about friends we live in a world where we can have thousands of friends on social media but not many too many 2am friends how did your friends play a role during your battle with your bipolar state Yeah so you know I I've said in the book also that mental health is a is a team sport right it's not something that you can do on your own it's you have to help each other other people have to help you you have to do that all together and um I think that uh, uh what they have done is they have really 
really done a lot like when when i've been manic um they have i have gone and stayed at their houses they have come and spent the day with me um you know we have gone uh, they have literally come with me to the doctors um i have when i've been low they have spent time trying to cheer me up you know given me a massage listen to music together and really had uh you know really really been there for me in in different different in different ways so i think each friend is just available in their own way um and the thing that i like i said they really do on an everyday basis is they are like my emotional barometer you know they are the ones that that are listening to my emotions on a daily basis whatever it is anger frustration joy sadness happiness whatever it is you know even if it's just my holiday photos or whatever's happening on a daily basis they are listening to that so i think and i'm listening to theirs right so it's a give and take relationship so i think that that they are a very integral part of my mental health journey yes ma'am uh, ma'am also considering we're looking at the book i remember reading in the earlier chapters of the book that during your visit to the ashram you had a manic breakdown due to the nirbhaya incident i believe so how did you cope with your mental health during that period of time with only a few friends around and no family near you how did you actually manage to get out of that situation yeah i don't think i coped with it very well i think uh, i had a lot of prayer um, a lot of chanting um and i think but i think eventually like i did get you know quite psychotic um, and there were sort of hallucinations and delusions and all those that sort of state of mind and and i did need a lot of help my husband did have to come to uh, patna and come and get me so it was um, it was a really um uh it was quite an incident yeah in my life lastly but not least uh what if there's one piece of advice that you had to give to your younger self what would it be that is possible to live and thrive with a mental health condition it's not a life sentence it's something that is completely manageable and you can have the life that you want um if you know how to lead it you can have a really fulfilling and you can be happy thriving and bipolar so don't be scared of diagnosis yes it takes a lot of courage to write this book especially with your background sharing your vulnerabilities out there in the open you not only managed to fight your vulnerabilities and write such an inspiring book which i think will not only benefit the mental health fighters but everyone else today your book is a best seller I highly like recommend our readers to grab a copy. Ma'am, thank you so much for giving us your valuable time and joining us on this Mind Over Matter podcast. To all our listeners, please do read Chemical Khichdi by Aparna Piramal as it's going to be fascinating to understand not for people who have mental health issues but for everyone and understanding where our mental health lies. In the end, our initiative Mind Over Matter is a support program for teens to build a community. for mental health where teens can be vocal about their problems and get support in their mental health journey we believe change doesn't necessarily need to be large and global even small action that can creates an impact is powerful ma'am lastly i would ask you to give one piece of advice to our teenage com- community i think just learn to love yourself and don't worry about not being good enough or comparing yourself to anyone else okay um life is more like a yoga mat uh, look at your life at your yoga as your yoga mat and just concentrate on your practice don't worry about what somebody else's yoga mat looks like we thank you for your time and support to all our listeners gratitude to augusta guradia founder mindomatter.health 
Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And well done on the initiative.